All right, Romans chapter 8. You got your Bibles out? Get your Bibles out. Did something this morning with first service. I'm going to do with you guys too. I felt like it kind of woke us up a little bit. We're still kind of got the turkey on us and, you know, wanting to take long naps and be delivered from our family and, you know, anybody may agree with that. Praise God, you're glad to see it come, but you're also glad to see it go. Um, I'm glad to not be eating anymore. I need to, I need to take it easy on my eating. But uh, um, stand up with me. We're going to read this together. And we're going to read it. We're literally going to read it together. Amen. What I read, you read. Let's say it out loud. This is a Romans chapter 8, verse 17. Romans chapter 8, verse 17. There we go. Now let's say it together. One, two, three. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Next verse. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Let's close our eyes. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, let this word come to life in us, Lord. This is such a liberating, freeing word that you desire to have happen in us. Lord, we've just opened your word. We have just spoken your word. And your word says that it shall not return void, but that it shall accomplish what it was set forth to do. Now let it be done. And it's in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. In expectation. Creation is in expectation. Who's creation? We are in expectation. We have been looking at Romans chapter 8 for a while now. But imagine had we stopped last week and not gotten to these scriptures. Did you even let that sink in? We're going we're gonna to go in a little bit deeper so that you get this. Because there is a lot from just those four verses. Four, five verses. How many of you have a problem? How many of you have had a problem? How many of you are having a problem? Amen. If you're not, just wait. You will. I'm not trying to confess something on you. You will. Scripture tells us there will be problems in your world. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. There will be problems. Since the first sin, problems started. And we're going to have problems. We are going to have issues. Life is filled with problems. This morning we're going to be talking about how to face and handle our problems. And I believe Romans chapter 8 starting with verse 17 has God's answers to our problem. We've been in the middle of Romans chapter 8. And we've been talking about how we feel. Do you remember about four weeks ago, five weeks ago we talked about I'm no good. This guilty feeling that does not come from God. When you are in Christ, everybody say, in Christ. When you are in Christ, there is now, therefore, no condemnation. What does that mean? The guilt that you're still feeling over your life, over your past, that you have given to the Lord, that you have repented for, is that guilt is not coming from Christ. It's Satan trying to hang on to you. 
trying to keep you down, trying to keep you in bondage. Did you see in the scripture it talked about getting free of that bondage? Well, then we stepped on to the next point. Now that, I'm no good, being free of guilt is living a life of liberty. It's living a life of freedom. But next comes the statement, I'm never going to change. And we've seen that in Christ, that the Lord gives us a new creation, a new heart. He changes us. If you've received Jesus Christ, it is a guarantee that you are going to change. Amen? You are going to change. And you know what that means? It means victory. You're no longer under the curse of the world. You're no no longer under the system of the world. You're now on kingdom. You're now on the kingdom principle. You're now on the kingdom pathway. And that is a pathway to victory. Amen? It's all from Romans chapter 8. Now, tonight, tonight, this morning, sometimes when you do two services, you forget which one you're in. You forget even what day it is sometimes. You know, because I just did this an hour ago. But uh, I'm wanting to say tonight again. Today, uh, when I feel like my world is falling apart, and who here has not never felt like that? I don't care if you're five years old. A five-year-old can feel like their world is falling apart. Have you ever heard them screaming for you? Their world is colliding. Their world is coming to an end. Well, let me tell you, it's, it's, it happens to us all. God says, I can live a life of no desperation. He says, I can live a life of no desperation because I can live in the most difficult days with a sense of expectancy in my life. And do you know how important it is to live a life of expectancy? You look at this child you know, have you seen the expectancy on our kids' faces just this week? One of our kids yesterday just said, I can't wait until Christmas. I can't wait. You know, and what great, what great glorious day we have when Jesus Christ comes back. And let me tell you, I can't wait. I can't wait for Jesus to come back. It would, it would be just fine with me if he came back right now. Amen. What a glorious day that will be. God so loved that he gave. We're going to look, start looking this morning at the first thing, at how to handle my problems according to Romans chapter 8, according to God's principle. I can handle my problems when I remember, number one, and church, this is a biggie. When I remember that any problem, any suffering that I face, when we suffer in this world, we are actually sharing in the suffering of Christ. That is such an incredible truth. Let me ask you, who do you share your problems with? Do you share them with a friend? Do you share them with a spouse? Do you share them with a neighbor? Do you share them with a coworker? Do you not share them with anyone? And you know what? Sometimes as we share, sometimes when we don't share, the tension starts to build. How many of you have ever shared your problem with a complainer? Get complainers? Anybody know any complainers? Don't point your finger at anybody. If you share your problem with people who complain about their problem, what happens? It gets worse. You don't get anything out of that except you get madder. You get in worse shape. And what happens when that happens? Bitterness starts to form. And let me tell you, when bitterness takes root, look out. Because Have you ever tried to pull up a, a weed that's really deep and that wants to stay? You can't hardly pull it up. And sometimes you break it off. Well, the, 
my mama told me that when you break it off, it'll come back. I'm not trying to be a, a water boy, but mama, mama knows. You break it off, it'll come back. You got to get it by the root. And you can't let that bitterness go down deep. It, you know what complaining, when you start hanging around complainers, you know what happens? Habits form. It starts to kind of snowball effect. It starts to get bad. And have you ever been caught in one of those, in one of those conversations where my operation was worse than your operation? My problem's worse than your problem. Have you ever had somebody around you that just likes to one-up everything you say? Back when I worked at the car wash, we had a guy. I love this guy. I still, still see him every now and then. But this guy, you ever go up and say, man, I just caught the, I, we, I had my, my guitar player, Steve, say that he caught a 25-inch bass this week. Well, he'd say, this guy at Express Loop would say, dude, that ain't nothing. I caught a 29-incher. Well, I once saw a 30-foot snowman. Well, that dude... That ain't nothing. I've seen this. And he always one-ups me. It's finally, shut up. Let me have my moment. Do you know people like that? I know you do. He's not the only one I've encountered. Dude, that ain't nothing. Let me ask you this. Have you ever shared your problems, and this may be a made-up word, but it's going to be my word for the day, with excusers? People that just want to make excuses about your problem. Let me give you a word. Those good at finding excuses are not good at finding solutions. We share our problems with Jesus Christ. If you've received Christ into your heart, into your life, you may not even realize it. But your sufferings you share with Jesus it doesn't mean we don't talk to our friends about it. Sometimes we need to. But it begins with the fact that we all share in the sufferings of Jesus Christ. We recognize that he suffered as we go through suffering. We do it, how do we do it? In fellowship with him. Can I tell you? He faced problems just like you. He was a man just like you. He faced grief. When a friend died, he faced frustrations when his disciples argued with one another and wouldn't get what he was trying to say. He faced ultimate uh, betrayal and disappointment when Judas turned on him. He faced temptation from Satan himself. You think you faced temptation. He faced temptation in the face of Satan. Now, how many here was tempted for, with food this week? Still is. You still got a full fridge full of the stuff you love and can't hardly stop eating it. My wife uh, bought a big, uh, this has nothing to do with Thanksgiving, but bought a big tub. Don't anybody buy me this, by the way. Okay, don't do it. I don't want it. A big tub of chocolate-covered raisins. And, you know, they taste great. You think they're healthy because they're raisins, but don't look at the don't look at the back label because it's bad. You know, we like to tell ourselves if, if we'll eat something healthy but cover it in fried or in chocolate, it's still good for us. It's not. And every time I walk by, I can't help it. I'll grab a handful. And I finally said to her today, yesterday, don't buy these anymore. 
I'm the only one eating them. You're not eating them. The kids aren't eating them. Stop buying them. But Paul, you love them. I do. Don't buy them. It's tempting. Well, imagine Jesus out in the desert not eating for days and Satan showing up and knowing just how to tempt him. Jesus Christ faced temptation just like you. Just like you. He faced total rejection. He faced a family that turned on him that didn't get what he was doing. He faced pain and humiliation of the cross. He had problems just like you. But when we have problems, as we turn to Christ with those problems and recognize that, there's a, that the Bible says that there's going to be a sense of sharing with Christ, that you know what we realize in our problem? We're not alone. We are not alone. But there's more to it than just that Jesus had problems. Do you know what he did? He overcame those problems. Jesus Christ was an overcomer. I talk to a lot of people that have problems just like me. And there's only one person that I know that overcame every problem perfectly. And his name is Jesus Christ. And do you know what? I can talk to him. And he'll talk back to me. There's a sense of companionship when I have Christ in my heart. And that sense of companionship is part of what it means to share in the sufferings of Christ. But it's only a part. As we go more depth into this message, and as we start to really realize what it means to share in the sufferings of Christ, to share with the problems and the struggles that come into, my, into our life, you'll start to realize that it's so much more than you could ever imagine. And you know, through my walk with Christ, I was saved at five and I'm 40 years old now, so it's been a, it's been a journey. Um, it's taken me a while to get to where I am today. And let me tell you, I am, I am by no means, I have by no means arrived. But you know, as an early Christian, I used to say, God, what are you doing to me? What are you thinking? And I really struggled. Then as, as I started to get some years under my belt and some experience, I started to turn and say, Satan, what are you doing to me? Now, if I can pause just for a minute, let me, let me just encourage you for just a second. Don't let Satan have your prayer life. Don't spend all your time praying to Satan. Spend your time praying to God. Now, it's good to face sometimes your problems. It says that we can bind things on earth as they are in heaven. It says that we can speak to our mountain that stands in the way. And there have been times where I've said, Satan, you have no right in this household. You get out. But immediately do I turn to say, Lord, fill me up. Prepare me. The battle is yours, and I am here. Fill me up, and let's go to war. But Satan does not control my prayer life. Can you all be encouraged by that? Don't spend all your time talking to Satan. I don't really have a whole lot to say to him. My, my breakthrough comes through the cross, and it comes through Jesus Christ. And through the cross and by the blood of Jesus, has Satan been placed under whose feet? My feet. Your feet. Satan's under my feet. Got to make sure he's there. 
How do I make sure he's there? I get correctly positioned by the blood of Christ. You see, Jesus will do my talking. It says that he sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you. Well, let me tell you, his intercession is a lot better than mine. However, I'm still supposed to pray, but I pray to God the Father. Are you all with me? All right. So, in my life, I've gone from God, what are you doing? Satan, what are you doing? Till finally, God, what are you wanting to do in me? What are you trying to do in me through this problem that I'm going through? I never try to give credit to God for terrible things that happen in my life. However, it says that God works out good for works out everything for good for those that love him. Okay, God, what are you doing? What are you trying to do? I want to get your plan. I want to be a part of your plan. I want to walk this thing out according to your word because I know that end result is going to be good. But man, it doesn't make any sense right now. Can anybody relate? These are some of the clearest verses in the Bible about how God deals with our problems. Here in Romans chapter 8, how we share in the sufferings of Christ. Can we just stop for just a minute? Let's just pray right now to, help, to ask the Lord to help us in our problems. Let's just do that right now. Father, Father God, we just turn our hearts to you right now. And Lord, we want to just take a moment and recognize that we really can't see the truth without the Holy Spirit revealing it to us. So Lord, right now we pray for his power. Holy Spirit, fill us. We pray that in each of our hearts you would use your word and this time together for, for us to help to see the truth. Maybe for the first time in our problems. Maybe for the first time in a particular problem that we're facing in our lives. And Lord, I'm not trying to make light of our problems at all. They are real and they are big and they're weighty. And Lord, you know how terrible they can be. But Lord, I just pray right now that you would bring light to our problems. And Lord, that we would start to see truth. The light of your truth. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, but can you not just from that prayer right there see some of the things you're walking through in a different light? Can you see how important it is to step outside of your your own little world, and allow yourself to see it through God's eyes for just a minute. We, can, we do not see as he sees. But as we seek him, he starts to direct our path. He start, starts to shine the light for our next step. I prayed this, I prayed this prayer this morning. But I, I don't think the light went off until, and into me until right then. I want to encourage you, allow the Lord to work in your life. We share in the sufferings of Christ. Second, how can, how can I handle my problems? Number two, when we realize that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to our future glory. Now, you just read this scripture out of your own mouth. The sufferings and whatever problems that you and I have right now are not worth comparing to our future glory. On the first one, what was the question? Who do you share your problems with? The second question is, who do you compare your problems to? There's a popular way of handling problems. There's a popular way of comparing problems. And, it, you know, it's pretty popular to compare your problems to somebody else's problems. You know what? Sometimes it even seems helpful. 
Have you ever had a problem in your life? You're going through a struggle and you see that somebody else is going through a greater problem, a worse problem than what you're going through. And all of a sudden it puts your problem into perspective. And you feel a little bit better about your problem. (laughs) I've had that happen. Go on a missions trip. You'll get great perspective. Your whole life will change before you. And although it can be good every now and then to get different perspectives, it is not an adequate solution. There's something wrong with that. What is it? Number one, you are depending on other people's pain to make you feel better. There's something wrong with that. I need to go meet somebody that's really in the gutter so I can feel better about what I'm walking through. But the second thing, you know what's wrong with that? What happens when your problem's the biggest problem? (laughs) You get no relief. And really, how do you really deal with your problem just by recognizing someone else's problem? It doesn't deal with it. The problem's still there. It's good to gain perspective. It's good for our kids sometimes to realize what you're going through is not that big of a deal. Look at what other people are going through. I'm not trying to make light of us not gaining perspective. What I'm trying to get through to you is that it's not an excuse to ignore your problem. You don't need to ignore your problem. You need to go through your problem with Christ. And I'm going to show you why. The Bible says here how you handle your problem. You don't compare them to other people's problems. That's not the solution. The ultimate solution is to compare it to God's glory. Compare it to God's future glory. God's glory is God's best. What this is saying is the best is yet to come. God does not want you to run from your problems. God's not just going to go poof and your problem's gone. Do you know how a uh, butterfly comes into, into being? You know, you, they become a, 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 they're a caterpillar that just eats and eats and eats and eats and finally reaches that point that we probably re- reached this week and had to go into its cocoon, had to build its cocoon, build, its, build this, this thing, this home. And when it's time for the butterfly to come out, it has to literally fight its way out. It has to push, it has to scratch, it has to shove, it has to stretch. And do you know if you go and help that butterfly get out, you'll kill it. It may not die right away, but the butterfly cannot grow, it cannot morph into the being that it's supposed to be without the struggle. It has to have the struggle. I want you to know that God is leading you through your problems to strengthen you, to prepare you, to protect you for your future glory. If that cocoon is busted open, the butterfly may not die right away, but it will die. It will never fly. It will never be what it was supposed to be. That's where we go back to that question. In the problem that you're going through, God, what are you trying to do? I believe the church is a great picture. I believe Christians today are a great picture of the butterfly that's wanting help. 
But I want to encourage you as a church, as an individual, as a husband, as a wife, as a child, as a student, as a worker. Find what God is trying to do and start to work your way out of it. You know what that butterfly is doing? It's scratching, it's fighting for life. It's fighting for life. And you've got to fight for life in Christ. Do you realize that that butterfly probably doesn't like that fighting? It probably wishes it would just go poof and be gone and just be this beautiful butterfly. But it doesn't work that way. You've got to fight. You are going to be who God's desiring you to be by you fighting your way out of that cocoon. And you're going to be beautiful and strong. And you know what happens when the church starts to come out of its cocoon and fight its way out? You know what happens? The glory of God's going to come. The glory of God's going to come. Can I encourage you? Come out. Come out. Why are you walking through what you are? What do you need to learn? How do I fight my way out with Christ? Romans 8, chapter 18. says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Two words that are so key in this scripture is how glory will be revealed. How will it be revealed? In us. In us. Not to us. Not for us. Not around us. But the glory of God will be revealed in us. And do you know the Greek word literally means into us. God's glory revealed into us. This verse is not just primarily talking about what a glorious place heaven's going to be. It's talking about what a glorious place you are going to be. Do you see how we get there? Can you see that there is a process that you're going through something? You are going through sufferings so that the glory of God will be revealed in you. God is trying to reveal the glory of God in you, but it has to come through suffering, and that suffering has to be done in Christ. You know what? You may say, I, I'm, I'm just going to, how many of you, and, and I've done this, how many of you have read a scripture and thought, ooh, I wish I hadn't read that? I just wish, just, just don't even, don't tell me that one. I know it's coming, don't tell me that one, so I don't have to hear it and I don't have to, Live it, live it, you know. So you say, I'm not going to grab hold of that one today, the sufferings of Christ. I don't want to suffer. Okay, well, you, you don't have to suffer with Christ, but let me tell you, you're going to suffer one way or the other. There's going to be sufferings. We're going to go through stuff. You might as well go through it with Christ for the glory of God to be revealed in you. And can I tell you, the glory of God is greater than any present or gift that you could ever get here on this earth. Into us. Ray Stedman, let me give you a couple quotes and then I'll close. I got one more scripture and two, two quotes. Ray Stedman said, The glory is not going to be a spectator sport where we set up in some cosmic grandstand to watch an amusing or beautiful performance in which we actually have no part. We are going to be on the stage. C.S. Lewis says, the door on which we have been knocking all of our lives will be opened at last. 
what will that be like? The desires that we've had for growth and for change, the desires that we've had for evil to go away, the desires that we've had for this world to be a perfect place, that door inside of us that we've been knocking on our whole lives, it will finally be opened. It will finally be opened. What do you mean, pastor, the world be a better place? When the glory of God gets revealed in you, the world will be a better place. When the glory of God starts to be revealed in his church, the world will be changed. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, Paul says this, For our light momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. You know, you may kind of miss this scripture and just think, you know what, that sounds all well and good, but realize who this is coming from. It's coming from the Apostle Paul, who suffered more suffering than I would argue anyone in here, maybe than all of us combined ever suffered. The Apostle Paul was beaten. He had rocks thrown at him and almost died. And I'm not talking about these little gravels that little kids throw at each other. I'm talking about stones that will hit you one time in the head and knock you out. He was shipwrecked. He was imprisoned. He was chained. He was starved. He was hot, hungry and naked and cold. But look what he writes. For our light and momentary troubles... This man has been through so much, his life has been so persecuted, and he looks at the struggles in his life and it says, the slight and momentary troubles, they're working for a glory that far outweighs them all. You know, you've got problems. I've got problems. And they're real problems. And they are big. But we need something big to put it in the right perspective. What's big enough to put my problems into perspective? Other people's problems aren't big enough. God's glory is big enough. God's glory is big enough to put any problem into perspective. He says, our light momentary troubles are achieving, achieving for us eternal glory. That means we have problems and struggles, and it is not as if God wants to just wipe them out. He is using them. He is using your struggles in some way. And what is that for? To build glory into us. It's not that when our problems are swept away, then I'll have the glory. There's a connection between the suffering and the glory. Those who share in Christ's sufferings will also share in the inheritance. I want you to realize as we pray that the problems that you're going through is a process to better you. It's a process to bring you through into God's glory. It's a process to strengthen you and to prepare you. Why do we need strengthened and prepared? So that we come out of that cocoon, we have something to offer. We have something to offer. I do feel like I have a word from God, and you recognize that so well. We don't plan this. I'm going to read this, and it's going to be really long, but I really believe this is the Lord. If you'll turn, open your Bibles to Lamentations chapter 3. And um, this is just the prophet's anguish. And he says, I am, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He has led me and made me walk in darkness and not in light. Surely he has turned his hand against me.
time and time again throughout the day. He has aged my flesh and my skin and broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and woe. He has set me in dark places like the dead of long ago. He has hedged me in so that I cannot get out. He has made my chain heavy. Even when I cry and shout, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with hewn stone. He has made my path crooked. He has been to me a bear lying in wait, like a lion in ambush. He has turned aside my ways and torn me in pieces. He has made me desolate. He has bent his bow and has set me up as a target for the arrow. He has caused the arrows of his quiver to pierce my loins. I have become the ridicule of all my people, their taunting song all the day. He has filled me with bitterness. He has made me drink wormwood. He has also broken my teeth with gravel. He has covered me with ashes. You have moved my soul far from peace. I have forgotten prosperity, and I said my strength and my hope have perished from the Lord. Remember my affliction and roaming, the wormwood and the gall. My soul still remembers and sinks within me. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. Therefore, I have hope. Verse 21. It's been horrible, hadn't it? It's been awful. It's been dark and broken teeth and anguish. But therefore, I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because His compassions, they fail not. His compassions don't fail. They are new every morning. Every morning. Every morning. Every morning, His compassions are new. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, and therefore I have hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. So do you hear God this morning? Do you hear Him this morning? He's not angry at you. His mercies are new every morning. He is full of compassion. And so I encourage you this morning, regardless of what you've walked through, seek God. Seek God this morning. Seek God with everything that's in you. He is your portion. He is your portion and he is good. He is good and he is faithful. Thank you, God. Thank you for your word. Amen. Amen. Let's stand up and let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for your timely word because I know there are people here today that are going through such problems. I want to encourage you right where you sit. Right where you sit. We're going to open up the altars and people are going to be up here to pray. But right where you sit, speak to the Lord about your problem. Cry out to the Lord right where you sit. Don't wait another moment. 
right where you sit. Just tell him, Lord, I'm going through this and it hurts so bad. His mercies are new every morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What are you going through? Right where you sit, just share it with the Lord. He already knows. And you know what? He's not mad at you. He's not mad at you. But as you turn to Christ this morning, what happens is you start to turn and your suffering becomes suffering with Christ. You start to join in to the suffering of Christ. And that suffering of Christ is so trying to achieve in you God's glory. He's so trying to get you over this hump. Let him do it right now. Thank you, Lord. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Right where you sit, just pray this prayer with me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, but that you're not dead anymore. That you're in heaven with God the Father. Save me, Jesus. Are you here today and your life is falling apart and you need someone to pray with you? We want to pray with you according to God's word, according to his will. We'll pray this morning that the things that you're going through, that the glory of God be revealed in your life. Step out this morning. Those that are ministering with me, come on down here. And I want to encourage you, don't wait another moment. Step out of your seat and let us pray with you. As we sing, we just open up the altar right now. And I just say, come. Amen.